And we are back, episode 62. Uh, so the poem we're going to do for today, or this episode, is one titled Come Home. Um, it's a little not out of order, uh, but I skipped, I definitely skipped several dozen poems. Uh, but this one in particular, I wanted to do a line-by-line breakdown of more in-depth, um, just because of the amount of nuance in it in terms of biblical allusions, in terms of um, poetic reference. Uh, And so to give a little background on this particular poem, it is inspired by, based upon the past four or five years of my own life. Uh, Sometimes my poems are inspired by fantasy or daydream. This one came from a place of personal experience of... uh, uh, of of being in an uncomfortable space, headspace, mentally, emotionally, um, in reference to uh, the subject matter being, and in reference to uh, my relationship with God, uh, my faith, my walk with God, um, my spirituality. Uh, this came out of out of in reference to that subject matter. This came from being in an uncomfortable place, uh, in a place that, that, uh, was difficult in a place that was, um, you know, dark at times, uh, confusing at times, and ultimately a, a space that I brought upon myself or that I made worse by my, uh, just by my, my, uh, tampering with, uh, things that, things that I thought I could understand, which was um, trying to get the control of my own life, trying to take matters into my own hands uh, in terms of my walk with God and not really not really wanting to hear that the idea of church, the idea of instituted, organized gathering of believers was something that was uh, not only beneficial and helpful, but um, vital, instrumental, f- fundamental, rudim- essential to the idea of a walk with God. Um, and so that's the context, that's the background, that's the landscape, that's the backdrop for this poem, is me four to five, maybe four to six years ago, coming to a place um, of frustration, of uh, of of anger, of unforgiveness, and uh, walking away from not my relationship with God, but walking away from uh, a church gathering, a church, a local church that I was a part of, um, in terms of attendance, in terms of uh, sitting under the preaching of the word, in terms of uh, neglecting uh, participating in the gathering of believers. Uh, in the setting of a church service um, with worship and communion taking and being under the preaching of the word and and those elements. Um, so five, six years ago, I walk away um, and I, I proceed to attempt to continue my relationship with God, evolve my relationship with God, uh, develop my relationship with God by my own means through just Bible reading uh, and and uh, me consuming content, whether it be via 
YouTube, via extra biblical text, etc. And then I found myself in a place now, uh, let's say it's, it's 2019. So I found myself in a, in a, in a, in a headspace, um, in, uh, sad, um, uh, struggling with anxiety and despair and grief, uh, um, not and typically when I when I am sad or struggling with anxiety or grief or despair, typically I can reverse engineer the source and the, and the issue. Um, and as I as I had gotten to this place, and well, actually it's it's twenty twenty now. When I got into that place, um, in a in a pronounced man like. That place of sadness, anxiety, despair, grief, gloom, hopelessness, darkness, uh, misery. When I, it, it had really become pronounced, that mental, emotional space. Somewhere in, mm, yeah, somewhere in like September, October of 2019. So about two, it got really pronounced two, three months ago. Uh, and it, it progressively only got worse. Um... And through some meditation, through kind of self-conversation, me, me digging around in the archives of my mind, of my memories, of my, of my soul, and trying to map backwards, reverse engineer where this was coming from, why I was in this place, and why I couldn't, uh, and trying to figure out where it came from, it led me back to um, being isolated from community specifically from the church community. Uh, I have my day job, my nine to five. I have my friends that I, outside of my day job, that I know from my day job. I have my friends that are long distance um, that I talk through, talk to via text. I have my parents who I talk to over the phone from time to time. I have um, just overlapping communities of people that I interact with on a daily basis. But when I thought about uh, the sense of isolation that was leading to this dark mental space, it seemed to be a result of it. It might my, my to to be poetic for a moment. It sounded as if it felt as if my soul was saying, "We want to go back um, to the church we left several years ago." Um, and so I, I I wrestled and struggled with that and told myself it wasn't necessary and told myself there there was another solution. Um, and ironically enough, and, and this is this may sound weird to some people, I, I know that in terms of um, the church community, some of the church community friends I had several years ago that I don't talk to consistently, uh, me saying that this, this, what I'm about to mention, was the catalyst of thought, which eventually led to me going back to church, it would, it would, sound, it would sound weird. The catalyst of thought that ultimately uh, put me in a headspace after wrestling after struggling going no I don't have to go to go back to church I don't want to go back to church um, and then uh, me just kind of being in a stalemate in a place of of, of being stagnant in that wrestling with myself then here comes this catalyst of thought which was the Jesus is King uh, album that Kanye West put out. Um, it, it honestly, if I if I had to describe 
the headspace, heart space, uh, psychological soul space that that album put me into, it would be um, it would be like that scripture verse that says where David is in the psalm saying, "Restore to me the joy of my salvation." I don't know any other way to describe what I began to feel after listening to that album on repeat for several days other than I felt like God restored to me the joy of my salvation. I it felt like I had walked away from a long-term relationship even though I felt like I was and in some ways I was still walking with God, still uh reading the Bible, still praying um it felt as if I there was an estranged relationship or a severed relationship and it felt like in those days of listening to that album I remembered the beauty of that relationship the depth of that relationship some of the elements of that relationship uh, that I no longer had or felt or experienced and uh, and it and it was an ultimately a a mind shift of the part of me that wants to go back to church is right the part of me that doesn't want to go back is wrong. I can feel that now. I can sense that now. We're going to give this a try. Um, and so I ended up going back. And so now I'm back. Uh, and this poem is what came. Uh, ironically, my first Sunday back, the title of the sermon was Come Home. Um, and so it was... <laughs> It was kind of a, a, a an appropriate, a time appropriate, fitting message for where I was in my headspace in terms of my relationship with God, but more so in terms of my relationship to the body, to the local body. Um, and so I titled this poem, Come Home. Um, and so line by line, it goes, from the very spot I left, that very spot being in reference to the moment where I decided to leave church, I heard your echoes creep across the tops of depths. And that's the tops of depths uh, is in reference to a place psychologically that I was in, in terms of how I began to come to a place of despair, grief, anxiety, sadness. Um, but also it's, it's in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a drawn out way, it's in reference kind of to uh, Psalm 139 uh, verse... Let me see. Verses 7 through 12, where David is, where I believe it's David, is saying, um, where shall I go from your spirit? If I ascend to heaven, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. Surely darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day for darkness is as light. Um, and so that idea of I heard your echoes creep across the tops of depths is me saying as if I set on a journey, I set sail from my homeland, which metaphorically would be the local church out into foreign land, foreign territory, saying I'm leaving behind and abandoning the local church and going out and trying to figure things out my own way to build that image of an ocean or of setting sail on seas, uh, the seas, the sea, the, the seas being the depths um, and to use that Psalm 139 as an illusion or an analogy of your, your presence will find me there. Your presence, your hand shall lead me. You'll, you'll come with me even in my waywardness where I and tr in the, in the ways and the times where I try to flee from you and I try to take, take matters into my own hands. You'll be there and you'll follow me. And so 
Uh, that's kind of what that's saying. I heard your echoes. I, I felt your presence. I saw your fingerprints on the on the steps of my life, even in my waywardness and even in my trying to move away from the from the goodness you or you constructed for me, which is the setting of a local church. Even in that waywardness, um, I felt your presence following me. I heard your voice uh, coming behind me um, to keep me, to watch me, to be a gentle reminder of come home a next line um and the tops of depths depths being yeah once i really sunk into this depth place of despair misery grief sadness i'm in the bottom of i'm in the pit i'm in the belly of the beast the belly of the whale um and in my depths i could still feel and hear your echoes as deep as i was in my sadness i could hear your echo saying come home um, the next line trampoline from stars until on tops I stepped and that trampoline from stars. So somewhere in this journey that I'm trying to take on my own, apart from the local church, I, um, one of the things I try attempt to do, and I think might be a good remedy to pull me out of this depth is an intellectual journey. So let's say, hey, let's, let's read books. Let's do self, let's do personal development. Let's improve self, um, and sometimes that's what it can feel like when you when you set out to like improve self in a in a in in that's in that specific of a path of I want to just read books. I want to pick subject matters that interest me intellectually and I want to divulge I want to I want to give myself over to them. I want to uh consume them, I want to be consumed by them, I want to just envelop uh, and a broad, uh, an array of information that's foreign to me, that's new to me, in order to make an intellectual ascent, which, in and of itself, isn't bad. It's 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 it can be helpful, it can be beneficial. Um, but for me to try and use it as a remedy for for my dark, for my my sadness, uh, is is ultimately what only reinforced my sadness. Um, because when you're sick literally and you try to take medicine and that medicine doesn't help and you only get worse it can feel as if you're only reinforcing the sickness um so that trampoline from stars is just trampolining from stars is is just a poetic way of me saying um i felt like i was already at a height intellectually at this moment that i left church because uh, in some ways i was belittling the subject matter that was being discussed in church sermons I was belittling the the community that I was in and kind of using the excuse that I wasn't being fed or stimulated intellectually by this community or the sermons as a reason to be able to leave. And so I, it's, it's in, in my arrogance and in my pride, I positioned myself above the community, above the sermons. And then somewhere in that journey began to try to chase and higher intellectual ascent by way of books, by way of reading and just researching and, and giving myself over to subject matters that interested me. And so that's what that that pursuit, that chase of an intellectual ascent, of an intellectual growth, of an intellectual evolving and advancement is what I mean by I trampolined from stars until on tops I stepped until I got to a place where um, reading some of the most dense intellectual subject matter that I've ever come across. Um, things like books by Carl Jung, uh, psychological podcasts. Um, so I, I reached this place of, yes, this is 
this is some of the most enriching, beautiful um, subject matter that I've ever encountered. And now that I'm here, now that I've trampolined from stars until on tops of the intellectual peaks and ivory towers that I wanted to reach, now that I'm here until on tops I stepped, um, all I found at the tops were death. And the next lines are, trampoline from stars until on tops I stepped. When I bounded barriers, all I found at the tops were death. And so that bounded barriers is a biblical allusion to Garden of Eden. And the idea is me using Garden of Eden as, you know, for Adam and Eve, it was a literal place of God creating borders and barriers, um, a place of order for Adam and Eve to live in within the chaos that could have been the new world that they existed in. So outside of those borders and barriers um, may not have exactly been an ideal space for Adam and Eve to live in, whether it was because uh, the land didn't produce as easily or they may have been exposed to, to danger, to risk, to wild animals. And the garden being a place where God goes, I created borders and I created lines and I created order for you that's good for you. Um, and so me using the idea of the Garden of Eden saying, I bounded those barriers. I, the, 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 the lines, the borders, the structure that God created for me in the context of the local church were my barriers. And I, in my waywardness, bounded. And so you, in some sense, I keep saying waywardness, but in some sense, it was also a desire for adventure, which can be good. Um, uh, hey, like I'm back now. And I'm also incredibly thankful for the benefit I was afforded in this time that I spent if nothing more than the benefit reinforced my relationship with God. Um, so in some part, it's it's also based on the desire for adventure. Me bounding a barrier, me bounding out of the local church was also my appetite for adventure. Um, intellectually, spiritually, uh, just in life. I, I was living in one, I was living in one town and now I'm in another town. I moved states several times. Um, and so not only mentally and emotionally, I had an appetite for adventure physically, I had an appetite for adventure from physical location. Um, but nonetheless, when I bounded barriers, all I found at the tops were death. When I stepped outside of that context, it may have taken me five or six years. When I got into my the heights of what I felt like was an intellectual ascent that I'd ever been at, the highest points that I'd ever been at, guess what I found? Not life and abundance, not joy and satisfaction and happiness, not fulfillment, not a jubilance and a, a cry of 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 glee and and yes this is what i was looking for when i got to that place where i landed was sadness and despair and grief and darkness and depression and misery so all i found at the place that i thought i wanted most was the thing that i wanted least which was death um and then in that in terms of that the Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I hated, I used to hate the scripture verse, hearing it in, in church, hearing it in sermons, hear, seeing it on Twitter feeds and, and Instagram cap. I, I hated this verse, which is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be wise, be not wise, in your own eyes, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Um, being where I am now, 
meaning I was in a place where I was disgusted by church. So I walked away because I thought in my own understanding I could find the next level of what I was seeking, the the place in which I felt I had an appetite for, which is an intellectual ascent and a life adventure. Leaving, trying to go on the adventure intellectually, physically, emotionally, mentally, in, de- in person- terms of personal development. And then arrived at a place that was the exact antithesis of what I wanted. A place of despair, grief, misery. That verse, um, in, the, in God's mercy and kindness, um, it, it, it reverberated in the bitterness of my heart and it finally made sense. Because I'd spent five or six years intellectually leaning on my own understanding and if i could if i could capsulate what i felt like my understanding and my wisdom was in those five or six years was i know best specifically in reference to church attendance i know best i don't need this church i don't need church that was the 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 proclamate the declaration that i made out of the arrogance of my own understanding and wisdom I don't need church. Um, and <laughs> appropriately so, as that verse as that verse tries to instruct and warn of, um, once I, by God's grace, return from that place of leaning on my own understanding, of leaning on my own understanding in terms of not attending church, of being wise in my own eyes for not attending church and not acknowledging God for his goodness in in telling me to attend church. Once I turned away from that, the evilness of myself and myself trying to make me and telling me to not attend church, um, that verse eight came to life for me. Uh, when I actually came back to church, um, poetically so, healing of flesh, refreshment to your bones is exactly right. Um, if I could personify my soul and my spirit as a person that first Sunday back, uh, I was in tears. Um, I, I tried not to get over emotional or exaggerate my emotions purposefully or coerce my emotions into crying in a setting like church because I felt like it, it, people do that to be manipulative. Um, but I very much, I went alone. I didn't speak to anyone. Uh, I kind of came in late because I, I was nervous. And so I arrived late, came in late heard the sermon and then left immediately um, again out of anxiety and fear still but uh, in that time that I spent there I was in tears I it, it felt like for the first time in several years God was speaking specifically to me the way that I the, like the way that I felt he would and did in the early days when I attended church um, I felt my I felt a healing of flesh and a freshman to bones in the sense of in direct relation to darkness, despair, sadness, misery, depression, grief, gloom that I felt, it finally felt like I had come across something that was a direct answer, a direct remedy to my depression, to my misery, to my despair, to my grief, to my gloom. It's almost as if you're sick, doctors can't figure out what's wrong with you and they're diagnosing all sorts of medicine and remedy and nothing's working and you're only getting worse and all of a sudden we put something into your system into your ecosystem and all of a sudden it takes and it begins to improve your status mentally emotionally physically is literally what it felt like um and so that 
getting up to that point. From the very spot I left, I heard your echoes creep across the tops of depths. Trampoline from stars until on tops I stepped. When I bounded barriers, all I found at the tops were death. Who knew you had trailed me? Let life derail me just to tell me when I had fallen that my spot was kept. Come home. And so that idea, again, is who knew you had trailed me? Who knew that in my leaving, in my wandering, which at the start of it didn't feel like wandering, now that I look back was absolutely wandering, who knew that in, in the place in life that I was at mentally, which is arrogance and pride and a, and a disdain for the good things of God in the setting of the local church, who knew that in my pride and in my arrogance, um, when, I, when, in, when any other appropriate authority figure would have rightfully looked at me and discuss, would have looked at my pride and my arrogance and disgust. Who knew in your gentleness and your mercies and your grace, oh God, that you would follow me, that you would trail me, that in my trying to walk away, in my, my fit, in my storming out, that you quietly, gently followed behind, trailed your presence behind me to echo all along the way, come home until I had gotten to the place where I was helpless and weak and couldn't pull myself out and, st and to find me in that place, all the while trailing me to that place saying, come home, come home, come home, until I had gotten to a place where your echoes of come home would finally strike my heart and I actually would come home. Um, so again, who knew you had trailed me is back to that Psalm 139 verse uh, where David is saying, you know, where can I go? Uh, highest heaven, farthest reaches, um, you're going to be there. Uh, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. Uh, I, I, where, can I, where can I flee from you? If I, if I make my bed in hell and Sheol, you're there. Dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, um, you're there. And so that idea of, of David saying, where can I go? Highest heavens, lowest hell, farthest reaches, you're, you're going to trail me. Um, so again, who knew you would trail me? Let life derail me just to tell me when I had fallen. Just just only to wait for the moment of, of leaving me to my own devices, in a sense, of giving me the freedom of adventure. Just to be patient enough and gracious enough and merciful enough and kind enough and gentle enough to give me the freedom of the sense of adventure so that when I had fallen, just to tell me when I had fallen that my spot, my spot in your household, my seat at your table, my place in your family, oh God, was kept. Come home. Your room is still yours. Your bed is still here. Your place in this family never changed come home and so obviously that's an obviously that's an allusion to the prodigal son um when the when you know the prodigal son comes home and the father goes you know bring the best robe put a ring on his hand shoes on his feet bring the fattened calf kill it let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and he is alive again he was lost and he's found they began to celebrate. Um, and at the end of that, that passage, it was fitting to, cel to celebrate and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Um, and again, of course, that being the title of the poem, Come Home. 
the following lines, O sojourner, for out here the days are long, journeys rife with contempt. And so again, it's, it's me poetically putting words into God's mouth of God speaking to me saying, hey, sojourner, I know that for me, you're also a sojourner on this earth, but you decided to take a second title of sojourner in terms of being a sojourner from our community, of terms of self-exiling, in terms of being an, a, of self-outcasting, you're, you're belonging to this community. Oh, sojourner, for out here, away from the goodness that I have for you and had for you in the context of a local church, out here, the days are long. And the journey rife with contempt. Um, and that's an illusion. That's a reference to Matthew eleven twenty eight, when Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle, lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Um, and so God's saying, out here, it's burdensome. Out here, it's, lab it's laborious. Come home. Um, the journey out here is rife with contempt. But if you come home, you come journey with us. Come journey in this context of a local church. I'll give you rest. You'll find rest. On the following lines, these troughs create thirst, and it's not for this life you're meant. Uh, and again, kind of to reinforce, these troughs create thirst. The journey out here isn't good for you. It's not meant for you. It's, it's burdensome. It's laborious. But come home and take on my yoke. Take on the goodness of my burden, which is doing life in the context of a local church. Now, that line, these troughs create thirst, uh, is also an illusion or a biblical reference uh, to Jeremiah 2.13, which is, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so that's me. You know, I use the term troughs, uh, but cistern trough, well, watering place, a place to satiate thirst. These troughs create thirst. So God's speaking to me saying, Oh, Kevin, oh, sojourner, out here, the days are long. Outside of the outside of the borders and the goodness of the local church, the days are long, the journey rife with contempt. I have days and journeys for you that are good, that are easy um, to bear up under, that is a yoke for you, that is pleasant and meaningful. Uh, but the one out here you've taken for yourself, sojourner, adventurer, journeyer, is not. Why? They're rife with contempt. They're long, these troughs, and long not in the good way that satisfies your soul, long in the soul-exhausting, soul-depleting way. Also, these troughs that you look for, the places you go to to try to satiate your spiritual, soul, mental, psychological, emotional thirst only create more thirst. This intellectual ascent and journey you went on to reach a place of, of heightened of heightened intellect only created a wanting from more. It left you broken. It left you sad. It left you in despair and grief and misery. It created a thirst in your soul. And it's not for this life you're meant. I can give you water. I can give you troughs. I can give you wells and cisterns that will satisfy your thirst. Kind of like in the, I don't have the reference right now up but in the reference when jesus is talking to the woman at the well who's there at noonday and the only reason she's there at noon is is to mean that she was a social outcast or 
someone who was marginalized by society um, because she would have went to the well at a time of the day when no one else would have been there, which would have been the sixth hour of the day at noon, meaning she wanted to avoid being around people because she was under public scrutiny. And sure enough, when Jesus speaks to her, he reveals to her, I know who you are. I know your um, the actions you're partaking in, which is um, sexual immorality in terms of sleeping with multiple men. And obviously anyone who who understands her being there at 12 o'clock in terms of like biblical study would know that she's there because yes, she wants to avoid people. Why is she avoiding people and not going at a time of day when it's more convenient and more easy and less burdensome is because she in one way or another is a social outcast. And Jesus obviously reveals that and saying, Hey, you sleep with multiple men. Um, and so again, that's, uh, another, um, kind of another illusion and reinforcing idea of me being reminded hey hey you don't have to you don't have to run to these troughs and these wells and these cisterns for you're always going to thirst for more but if you come to me i can give you water that will make you never thirst again uh, and the following lines i heard steps gently gracing foreign temple floors come to provide me a reminder that i'm temple and yours and so that's just me saying, like, even if it's my own pride and arrogance and intellect that I created into an altar and built a temple around any temple, any altar, any place that I lie down at and cry glory and create worship and cry hallelujah, that isn't the footstool of God is a foreign temple in which I in which there is a foreign altar that I am giving thanks and worship to a foreign God, even if it's my own pride and intellect. So I heard your steps gently gracing. So again, foreign temple floors to create the idea that the church, the context of the local church is my homeland and any place in which I fall down, bow down and give worship would have been a foreign land is to create that is create that image and that illusion of I ran away across sea, across land, over mountain, found myself um, prostrated in despair and sadness and darkness worshiping at the foot of some foreign altar in a foreign temple in a foreign land and i heard steps your steps gently gracing those floors of a foreign temple approaching a foreign approaching me at a foreign altar come to provide me a reminder an echo of come home that i'm a temple and that i'm yours uh in the following lines i heard gates opening a ripped curtain and nails and wood all in unison, singing triumph of a tale that's good. Uh, the gates opening being allusion to Psalm 24, 9. Lift up your heads, O gates, that the king of glory may come in. Um, a ripped curtain being an allusion to Matthew 27, 51. Which says uh, when, when in the moment, the climax of Jesus being crucified, when he cries out, um, and gives up his spirit and finally dies. It's, it says Matthew twenty seven fifty one. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. Uh, the temple being the temple of God, the curtain being the curtain behind which was the presence of God. To to say and to symbolize that the presence of God should no longer dwell behind a curtain in a temple, but because of Christ's sacrifice, you don't have to you don't have to be a priest to go into the presence of God. The presence of God is going to come out to us, to the people of God, and dwell with us. We no longer have to, through the priest, um, make sacrifice to and 
try to get near the presence of God. No, the, the curtain, because of Jesus, the curtain, the curtain tore and the presence is going to come out to us and dwell with us and be with us. Uh, so I heard gates opening poetically to make a poetic reference as if heaven was a physical place and had physical gates to the presence of God. I heard gates opening, a ripped curtain and nails and wood, nails and wood referring to, of course, to the crucifixion and nails going into the actual cross, pinning Christ's hands to the cross, all in unison, singing triumph of a tale that's good. That tale, of course, being the gospel, just restoring to me again, the joy of my salvation, reminding me of this good thing that God, this simple yet good thing, best thing that God has for me. Um, I heard hosts singing, some who sounded like my tops of trees, cry Hosanna, but only heard when I had dropped to knees. And that's the last line. So hosts singing, I heard hosts singing is a reference to Hebrews 12, uh, where it's, it's thought that Paul is the writer of Hebrews. Um, people aren't exactly sure about that and have different, differing opinions in terms of biblical scholars, but one of the one of a com a commonly agreed on idea and proposal is that Paul wrote Hebrews. So in Hebrews twelve one, Paul saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So that first part. So because we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race with endurance. Let us set aside our, our weights and run the race with endurance. So with me saying, I heard hosts singing that idea, a great host in heaven looking on as we run our race here during our time on earth, cheering us on, applauding us on, giving us encouragement, calling us back to, calling us to, to, away from the things that distracted us during the race reminding us as we get distracted that we're getting distracted to lay aside those weights of distraction and burden and get back to the race with endurance um some when i say and then some who sounded like my tops of trees it's me being poetic to say some of my ancestors some of my family tree those trees being like a family tree or an ancestral tree of my actual bloodline and also faith bloodline, you know, believers, but all but my literal physical bloodline of heritage. I have no idea if if my great, 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 great grandparents uh, or ancestors were Christian. But the idea being um, I have an ancestral lineage in God's kingdom and I also have an ancestral lineage physically. And I, I poetically am saying in that gathering of hosts who are cheering us on and who are cheering me on in my race, some of those voices sounded like ancestors. It sounded like a familiar, uh, loving, gracious voice that felt familiar and familial to me as if I had great, 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 great grandparents cheering me on, crying Hosanna, saying, yes, uh, uh, descendant, this is the way. Yes, Kevin, this is the way. Uh, but I only I could but could only hear those cries and those cheers when I had dropped to knees. Um, so that's the summation of the poem. That's the breakdown uh, and the and the psychological background of that poem uh, and where it came from. Um, and so we will we will leave it at that until 
Until next time.